Welcome to The Living Room, a cozy place of candid conversation. We're a group of women in various ages and stages of life. Join us for thoughtful discussion with a side of humor. We chat about everything from parenting issues to life balance, what matters most, and how to make it happen in everyday life. Settle in just to listen or feel free to add your comments online at www.fromthelivingroom.com. And now, your hosts for today's show. Hello, hello, and welcome to The Living Room. I am your host today, and I'm Michelle, and with me we have... Christy, Jana, Heather, Kate, Jody, and Kate is the co-host on this show today. And today we are talking about a, a powerful principle and concept that I love called being unoffendable. And it's interesting because we live in a world where uh, people often share their opinion. And they do. They have Facebook now and more in bigger ways and shapes and forms, and they feel like they can say things. Um, But I also think that because of the world that we live in, we can have our feelings hurt, um, and we can even go worse and get be become offended. And I think the principle comes from something good. Like, we want to be right, and we know that there are right principles. But let's talk about how we're going to be unoffendable, even if we have been wronged on purpose. So um, tune in. I would love for you to share and tra- strategies and tips and get involved with us through our Facebook channel and also on our website at fromthelivingroom.com. But we're going to just start. Um, I'm just going to share a story really quick that of this woman in a neighborhood that we used to have. And every time I saw her drive by she looked like she was scowling at me <laughs> scowling There's like, like she, would, <laughs> she would see me and like she would furrow her brow it and was some, judgmental too right yeah judgmental totally scowl. like i am like, out and 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 what's funny is that she would scowl at me and then i would wave and she would go Ugh. and and so i was like oh my goodness i I could, and I would see her at the same time every day. Like I would go out for a walk in the afternoon. She would be coming home from, from, um, from work at the same time. And I always saw her and that was so funny. And so I'm trying to wave and be nice. And, and it's funny because it came up in, in a group of my friends are like, Oh my gosh, did you see Anna? Every time I see Anna on her way home from work, she is like scowling at me. And I was like, Oh, I thought it was just me. And so we had this conversation. And then one day I'm talking to Anna and, and I know her, she's kind and nice. And I thought to myself, maybe she, maybe it's something else. And we're trying to, to, to justify it for her, but it had gone on for so long. I'm like, why is she scowling? And somehow in the course of a conversation, we were sitting around chatting and she had said something like when she comes home from work she the way that she comes home um and her car she needs to get a new blade on it because there's so much sun in her eyes and she can't see and it's so funny how in my head I had had this conversation like she hates me it is she like I wave but she is only waving to just but it was the sun the whole time and I think that sometimes those happen a lot she's laughing um And I wasn't offended, but this is a good opportunity for us to say, you know, I think that sometimes there are circumstances we don't understand. I think always there are pieces of people that we don't see Mm -hmm. that we wish we could. Mm -hmm. But um, does anybody else have another experience where either they chose to be offended or chose not to be? No, it's when George falls, the guy, because he has the cast on his broken middle finger. Yeah. And so it's up up the whole time, and George falls in the whole way home, and he's like, you... Flip me up. You cut me off back there. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I would have waved, but I've got this problem on my finger. And it's so funny, but it's that. It's just he follows him. I know. I spent half of 10th grade with my finger, (laughs) my middle finger sticking up in a brace. And I'm not offended. I think I'm offended. No, no, no. So this isn't not necessarily a specific example, but this is a 
But I have to tell you, in working in coaching married couples who are struggling in their marriages, who are trying to make their marriages stronger, the one, one of the biggest problems is this. Excuse me, as I fight this cold. Uh, we can never have all the data. Never, right. ever, 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 ever. Even when you've lived with someone, slept with someone, think you know someone, we can't ever have all the data. And so these married couples or us in our friendships and relationships, we don't realize even if we think we have all the data, we can never truly know and understand someone's heart and their mind. We can't, even when they're trying to express it. And so this is like, both these examples are hilarious, but perfect mm -hmm. examples of not having all the data. And yep. so we start to judge and we start to be offended or offendable when we never know the true situation, yep. which right then and there should tell us to back the heck off and mm -hmm. kind of get a grip a little, mm -hmm. get a grip a little bit, right? Because mm -hmm. we don't have all the information. Right? It's just your emotions get a hold of it you. Is. And yeah. that little story in your head starts going, the hamster starts spinning that wheel and then yeah. and why I mean, it has a life negative? of its own. Why do we always go negative I don't first? Know. I assume the worst. Yeah. So we always because immediately we think go that of ourselves. And so we think, yeah. we, we think yeah. well, they must think this of me. Yeah. Because we it's think it's guilty until proven innocent. I'm mm -hmm. like, it's so funny that we say innocent until proven guilty because it's not. It's always the opposite. It's it, you know, you have to prove that you weren't doing that instead of giving someone the benefit of the doubt. I think I just think him last night talking to a friend and um, she happened to call in the middle of utter chaos and it, I mean I'm like two seconds away from the biggest meltdown and I don't know why I answered the phone but I shouldn't have, but I did. And then she starts jumping on me immediately about something that I have done that is so dumb and not even a big deal, but something she didn't do and could have done, but I volunteered to help for this, this thing. I can't give too many details because I don't want to offend someone. But anyway, but the whole point was she immediately jumps on me. She's never done this in the 11 years I've known her. That should have been a clue to me that something was going on with her, that right. she wasn't okay. Yes. I should have stopped it right then and said, are you okay? What's going on? I don't think this is about this. So what's going on with you? And I wish I had, but I wasn't in a good spot. I was so close. So I finally just said, you know what? I can't do this right now. I am so stressed. I got to go. And I hung up the phone and I felt bad. I hung it up, but I was also so grateful that I didn't rip her head off because right. I was immediately like, how dare you? Like I did it. She doesn't know. And so I instead sent a long text saying, this is everything that's going on with me. So I am so sorry. But I, and then she immediately at the same time sent me, I am so sorry. I didn't mean, and after that, we're fine. But I thought, I'm so grateful I didn't rip her head off. That would have killed me. We could right. have destroyed so much if I had assumed. And then it came out as to why she said that. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Of course you reacted that way. Of course your feelings were hurt. Of right. course. And I could validate her instead. But we both, man, it was just boom, boom in two seconds. And so I'm so glad that I chose to just get off and think about it. Well, and I think that what's important there to remember is that our feelings are real, right? I think everyone is entitled to feel sad, to feel offended even, to feel um, angry or to feel discouraged or to feel misplaced or displaced. I think we can all feel those feelings, but we also have to remember that feelings aren't necessarily truth. Right. And just because we feel wronged doesn't mean that that was the intent. Um, and so just because we feel upset about a circumstance doesn't mean that that's necessarily the way that the circumstance and went. Even if you're a hundred percent positive, I know people, I know <laughs> this, I know that you're doing this. You yep. don't, you don't. Uh, I have a friend in our old neighborhood and I will never forget when she shared this with me. She said, it took me 50 years to learn that most of the people who hurt our feelings didn't intend to. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. It's so Tell true. that to an Italian. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Which is hilarious because the Italians oh. were the ones when I was in Italy that could have offended me so many times. Every time they see me, they're like, you've gotten fatter. I'm like, oh, oh awesome. Ah, thank you, Captain Obvious. Yep. But they did help me. They did help me to, you know, to let it go. Because I was right. like, why am I offended? I have gotten fatter. Right. Yep, I have. It's your awesome food. Yeah. So that's why I started saying that. I'm like, and I'll lose it when I get home. And if not, it was worth it. And then they'd laugh. They didn't mean to hurt my feelings. Well, right. in, my, in my Italian side of my family, that has been something where lots of things are said. And then lots of things you move away from very quickly. But it's kind of, I, I come from two different worlds. And I, I do take offense much too often. And I want to work at it. And I want to become better. Um, and I think that's something that it's, it's going to be a lifetime process for me. But I do have hopes of becoming unoffendable because I know there are plenty of people who are. Um, my Italian heritage does not work in my favor mm -hmm. because it's a little hot-headed or it's a little bit too quick to go to that, you know, assumption. But I am also very, I will forgive very easily. I was going to say, you I'm love strong, you yeah. hate strong. That's oh, you know, yeah. It's so a I need a, a t-shirt that says that. But I'm, I'm a, I am totally strong. working on this. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm sure each of us, though, have also had one of those moments where somebody said something, and then we had to choose if we were going to be offended or not. And so I'm going to share one. Um, there was a woman who moved into our neighborhood, and we met up at some playgroup or something at the park. This was a few years ago. And, and so she was just super kind and nice. I asked her about where she came from and what she was up to, and she asked me about what I do and if I worked. And I let her know that I am um, a speaker. And at the time, I had two little kids, and so I really didn't travel even near as much as I do now. But I told her that I traveled a little bit and that I worked from, uh, worked from home a lot at night from like 8 to midnight to do a couple of other things for clients. And and uh, she said, oh, that's that's interesting. It's nice that you get to work from home. And I said, oh, it's it actually is wonderful. Like, I'm so grateful for the Internet every single day. And mm -hmm. and I said, and I'm really grateful that I that I'm I'm using my talents mm -hmm. and in the best way, shape and form that I can and that I still get to to be home with my kids for most of the time. And then a couple of weeks later in church, even she got up oh. and started bearing her testimony and talked about how grateful she is for being a mother and how um, God gave her talents and she's grateful for those talents, but she knows that nothing is more important than being with her kids. And that if she has to put her talents in a drawer for a time being Ouch. that, um, that she knows that that's the most important thing. And even doing something at home would still distract her too much for that most important oh. responsibility. And it was like the exact oh. same words from our conversation. Oh, she was trying to teach you. And she, <laughs> and I felt like, I felt like I was getting a personal, personal sermon. Ser oh, personal sermon. <laughs> and so I started to cry sitting there as she was talking and my husband is like, what is wrong with you? And she's thinking she's touched your heart. Yeah. She's and like, she's oh, like, good, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know kidding. what she's thinking. But, um, it's interesting because I had the conversation with my husband and I had to choose in that, in that instant, if I was going to let it bring me down or not. And I had to choose if I was going to hang on to it, whether or not she was right or wrong, it didn't matter. And my justifications for the things that I do are between me and a heavenly father that I feel like I'm super, super prayerful about. But I know that we all have these experiences where someone will say something and then we have to make the choice of A, am I going to fight back? B, am I going to hold on to it forever? And C, how am I going to let me, how am I going to figure out how to navigate this when my feelings are hurt and I am right and she is wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and, but you know, we have all these conversations and it's interesting because I remember thinking that I had, I, if I was going to fight that fight, 
that it wasn't going to get me anywhere and that I had to just let it go. And that doesn't mean that I still don't think about it and it still doesn't hurt me from time to time. Um, and I'm still working through it, even though years later, it sounds like I'm going to need some serious therapy or more Dr. Pepper. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> and we're going to go Agar house after this. Yes. We'll send her a note. <laughs> but so here's the question. Do you have an experience like that? You can share it or not share it, but what thoughts and, and feelings do you give to someone who has actually had something said to them that was super insensitive and um, inappropriate? Well, here's here's the tricky thing. And maybe it fits more yours than in general. But lots of times people will say something and it offends us because there's there's some truth, truth to it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so we get offended. I've heard that same one, right? I had a student one time. I was teaching how women feel who work outside the home. Here I am teaching in a college classroom. I'm obviously outside my home. I'm not there very much, but I'm there enough. And a girl in the back raised her hand and she said, so, like, how guilty do you feel because you come here instead of being at home with your family? And I'm like, I'm holding a dry erase marker and, and uh, eraser in my hand and I'm thinking, I have really good aim. I played a whole <laughs> a lot of tennis and softball. Just stand still because this is coming straight at your nose. Like, what are you are you like the most arrogant, insensitive twenty? You don't even you haven't even lived yet. You're like twenty one and a half years old. What yeah, are you true, talking yeah, about? She's twenty one. My gosh! <laughs> but the thing was, it struck me so harshly because there there was a little bit of truth. I yeah. I do sometimes feel a little bit of guilt when I when I mm-hmm. let my reach be outside my four walls a little bit. So then, like you're saying, I had to take that step back and go wait just a second. I know that I'm supposed to come to this college classroom twice a week because it's here that I can strengthen these young people so that their families are stronger and more successful. I can help them do that. And I know that that's something that my God is okay with Mm -hmm. and that my children are stronger and my four walls and my home is actually a stronger place because I do do that. So we, it's yucky because we hear it and we're like, we get offended because there's, there's some truth when in you've already that they say. Enough, you don't need somebody else to point right. out what you struggle with. I mean, and I listened to what that girl said to you and immediately I think in my head, I wonder if she said that because maybe she feels compelled sure. that she's going to do something outside the home. And so maybe she's asking you like, how do you combat that? So I know how I, and maybe not, but it's just interesting. There's right. When you said things. that, I thought, well, maybe she, is wondering, I feel this in me. And I think we have to realize everything's not black and white. God may have told you, you're, look, I'm going to provide a way for you to do both. I know it's outside mm-hmm. of the box and whether it is or not, I'm going to provide that for you. He may have told me or somebody else, this is not your time. This isn't, I remember my mom saying blossoms must die to bear fruit when she had 10 kids and she was writing. And she said that came to her one time. And she said, I realized this is my season to let myself go and it would come back, and it did later. But for somebody else, you know, I'm writing, doing all these things, and my mom tells me all the time, you keep it until you until you feel like you're not supposed to because that's something the Lord gave you for. And so I just love that. I love that none of us have to to be to be the same. Well, and I think to not be offended, yep. we have to take the step back and say, am I okay with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I am, then do I really care what you think or yep. what you just said? Because that's the difference, right? If, if yeah. we go around running our lives by what everyone else is saying to us, we're all going to be a mess and we'll all be offended. And it would change every day. Right. And so we have to be okay with us and that way no one can offend us. doesn't matter what they say. Yeah. Christy and Michelle both brought up in an earlier show about being seen. And I think that to me is the part of not taking offense and being 
unoffendable is that if you really think of what the desire is, is for that connection is to be seen, to be understood. Mm -hmm. And I know for me personally, that could be a downfall. I I love the understanding and I'm therefore going, okay, let's get to understanding, but it's not always where you're going to end up. Right. But I think the intent of somebody is the desire to want to be understood. You were wanting to be understood by saying, Hey, this is what I have prayed about. This is how I, me and my husband choose to to do our lives. And, and it isn't her place to be there. The intent is hard to, to Mm -hmm. really imagine when you're in that moment and the emotions and the hurt is taking over. And I think that's the part of it that gets really murky. You don't know what you're supposed to do in that moment to get a hold of that emotion, at least in my case, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, Oh, I well, just, I've been the person, I feel so bad listening to Michelle. I'm sitting there going, I've done that. I've done yeah. that in some way. I've said things in an offhanded way to try mm-hmm. to prove a point or teach someone else a lesson. Like, who am I? But I have, if I'm honest with myself, I have done that. My mom always says, what's your intent? Before you send that email, before you do, what is your true intent? Are you really wanting to help? Or are you trying to teach someone something? Do you think... And I'm like, oh, there's been both for me. There's times and then I have to rewrite something or reword something because there's mm-hmm. just that little jab in there. That's a little bit of something. I was going to read this quote really quick by Abraham Lincoln. It says, we should be too big to take offense and too noble to give it. Yes. Oh, I think that is so awesome. Nice. Such so good nice. advice. Yeah. I did have somebody say something just in this last you know, 18 months, I, because of illness and so forth, saying, you just need to slow down and that is something that um, throughout my life, being a little bit of an of a energizer bunny or whatever, you know, if you'll slow down, your your illness will go away, you know. And again, it's that's, I, not, that's not the case. It, it has helped me say, I don't want to ever say that to somebody who's sick. But like Kate said, if we're being honest, we've all said something, whether it's by accident Absolutely. or on purpose. And uh, it just makes me more mindful to say, oh, please let me do better. You know, forgive me. And I thank goodness there's I'm sorry. Because even to every woman in this room, I can say I've had to say I'm sorry to one of you at least all at some point. Yeah. yeah. And I'm grateful for I'm sorry. Jenna? One of the things that's really helped me with this idea, and I like to think I'm unoffendable, and I know I'm not, but um, I, You're had, close to it. <laughs> I had a college professor. I took this Chinese humanities class, and I had a college professor tell this story about these two Confucian monks, and they had made vows of silence and celibacy, and they were forbidden to even touch a woman, and they were also couldn't speak. So they're walking to this other village, and they get to a river. And on the side of the river, there's a woman standing um, who needs help across the stream. So the one monk picks her up, carries her across the stream, leaves her on the other side, and they continue walking in silence. And finally, they've gone for miles, and finally the one monk says to the other monk, you touched that woman. And the the first monk said, I carried her across the river, but you've carried her for the last 10 miles. Oh. And that really had an impact on me. And I thought, oh, how much am I carrying? Oh. Both how much am I judging other people for their choices? And then and then how much am I, how long am I carrying that? It's a great mm-hmm. story, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's too no, good. it's true. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to make me think. At some point, uh, we all have to ask ourselves the question is, and I love this question, is what is it costing me to be right? Right. Right? What is it costing me to be right? Or to think I'm right. Yes. (laughs) Right. We don't have all the information. Absolutely. So really, we don't know if we're right or not. We think we are. Right. And that is a heavy load to constantly haul. And I think that, you know, I've seen seen some families where I watch them 
in tragedy, watching them blame every other person, every other circumstance for things that are wrong. And they'll, they'll post, I'm so offended by this, or this so offends me. And, and I just, the, the struggle for what they're carrying in that, in the hurt of something that can't be fixed. And, and what's funny is in life, there are so many circumstances where we, where we fix things, right? If you are sick, then you're going to take some medicine and you're going to get better. And if you have a cut, you'll put a bandaid on it so it doesn't bleed everywhere. Um, if you need to get better at something, you, you get stronger, you go to the gym. So there's solutions to every problem. And so for a lot of us, we want to fix it all. But I found that, um, the best way for me to stop and to be unoffendable is to not fix it, to let it go. Yes. And there's something really powerful to being able to say, you know what, it's not worth fixing in the way that we're all trained to do it. The only way for it to be fixed is for me to say it, it serves no more power in my brain. You set a good example of that, Michelle. Well, I, I, have, a good I have a father that um, he started a business when he was very young, just in college. He and my mom uh, sold it and bought a jewelry store and that jewelry store became 11 stores. And so by the time he was in his early 30s, he was doing very well and had a big business that then he decided to partnership with two other people. So long story short, the 80s hit, the recession comes, and he loses the business. And I then, years, years later, I'm in college, and I get this letter that says, please forward to your father. And it was an apology letter um, mm. for things that he had felt responsible for when this business failed. And so my parents at that time lived in another state. And so I, of course I called my dad um, and I knew the circumstances as a 15 year old, mm -hmm. as a 15 year old would understand it, but I didn't know the power of what my dad and my mother lost. They lost mm -hmm. a home. They, we had to move out of state. He lost being a president of his own company mm -hmm. um, and had to go work for someone else who was very harassing. And, uh, and I said to my dad, as a, as a young adult saying, how, have, how did you not sue or how did you not pursue? And he mm -hmm. said, Jody, it's all good. N nothing is worth, um, fighting that hard for to just, to just lose your, your integrity and your, and the feeling that your mother and I have everything. We have each other, but no, I chose not to hate and I chose not to be angry. That was kind of like the Victor Frankl kind of thing. And I looked at my dad forever different because of that letter. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that letter came to me because that it opened my eyes to see my father oh, yeah. as totally somebody that chose not to take offense when literally he lost everything that was material. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I love that Jody shared that. That's so funny because my parents also in the eighties went bankrupt and lost everything. And, um, my dad tells a story of it's still so raw for them. And I was a baby. I didn't, I don't remember it, but, but he talks about, um, one of the guys who he lost his investment and the guy grabbing my dad and shoving him up against the wall. And how could you? And the guy, saw me and I just, oh, it makes me sick because I'm like, oh, I can't imagine they were friends. And my dad had lost all these investments. My dad put up our house without telling my mom and we lost it. And it, I mean, it took a toll on them and so many people could have hated him and many did. And we got hate mail and all these things. And, but it's interesting because one of my favorite stories is that story because my dad, you know, went through the bankruptcy and bankruptcy equals, you don't have to pay anyone back. You don't have to. And my dad did everyone. Mm -hmm. And if through the years yeah. kept track of who and little by little and just said, I will pay you oh. people back. And to the point where those people 
eventually one by one would write a letter and say, please don't pay the rest. Thank you. Or would hire him for something because I know you're a man of integrity. My dad's an attorney and, mm. or something else. And it's what a powerful life lesson when they all could have hated. And my dad, you know, this guy that shoved him and, and my dad, when he tells that story, he cries for the man, not oh. himself because he goes, how, how hard would yeah. that have been for him? And I think that's the Those are powerful of being stories. offended. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just can't help but think again, principles, but really, when we're deciding if we're going to be offended or not, whatever question we ask, that's the answer we're going to get, right? And so, you know, we, we seek out these justifications so that we can still be offended. We, we almost foster it because otherwise we have to let it go. And that means it's something we have to do, right? So we're constantly looking for ways to continue to blame so it has nothing to do with us. But a really cool thing that I use and also, again, help with couples is... If you change the question that you're asking, you'll get a different answer. And so whether it's with someone who's offended you driving or someone who's offended you from the pulpit or someone who has genuinely, truly wronged you in horrible, unbelievable, abusive ways, because all of this happens. When we ask the question, why would a horrible, no good, ugly, terrible man abuse something, his wife, right? That's the answer we're going to get. But what if all of a sudden we change it and we say, why would, you know a kind, dark-haired, if that's the best we can come up with, right? Because they are horrible people. Man, throw some adjectives in there, abuse their wife. And all of a sudden the question changes, right? And all of a sudden we say, mm-hmm. maybe they're picture. sick. Yeah. Maybe they were abused. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe their mom taught them to drive and that's what she taught them to do. Maybe mm-hmm. their dad did. And all of a sudden we have this new perspective. And when we can see that new perspective, it's a lot easier, like you're saying, Michelle, to put it down instead of needing to carry it. If we'll just change the question we ask and how sad, I know I've had to do this with, with in-laws, you know, why, why would my mother-in-law, why would a blonde haired kind on the outside, right? Whatever kind things I can say, woman treat me the way she does. Mm-hmm. And then I can come with, up with answers that at least I can live with to lay down mm-hmm. the offense. I love that. And it changes. It really does mm-hmm. dramatically change the way we see the situation. Powerful, right. Yeah. To ask that question. Ask that question. I appreciate that so much. I love the quote by John Bevere that says, another, an offended heart is a breeding ground of deception. And as long as we sit in a place of saying, I have been offended by this or, or, um, this, this happened to me and we start to look for that kind of like what Heather said, we're, we're giving ourselves permission to list all of that person's faults, flaws, um, defects in a way to make ourselves feel better. But one of the things that I love about this conversation is that, um, part of, part of looking beyond being offended is also looking inside ourselves to resolve our own issues and to look at where we can go. And I appreciate all the things that were shared that we need to check the intent of others. Like the woman that I thought hated me for the way that she looked at me was not it at all. Um, and I'm grateful for that, but then also, um, for the ways that we can look inside to resolve them within ourselves. And then also asking the questions in a different way. And like I said, I love the question, what does it cost me to be right? And recognizing that there are some relationships that are worth um, pushing past. And even if it doesn't always work the way that it's supposed to, and we have to let some relationships go, I like to know at the end of the day that I did everything I could to be kind and nice and that it wasn't my choice at the end for us to go separate ways for whatever reason. So thank you so much for joining us on this show today in the living room. And as you consider the relationships and the spaces and the feelings that you're feeling in your life, we hope that you will give your friends, your family, even strangers, some living room.
The number one question we are always asked is, how did you guys get together? How did you become friends? Well, the answer is Heather Johnson, one of our co-hosts, who is an amazing woman who, in addition to being a teacher and joining with us in the living room and being a counselor at nights, she also puts on this amazing show once a year called Listen to Your Mother. Listen to Your Mother is a live show giving Mother's Day a microphone. It's like TEDx for women. The show features live readings from some of Utah's most talented writers and bloggers. The purpose of the event is to celebrate motherhood and Mother's Day. You don't want to miss spending the evening with these amazing women, and we'll be there as well. So join us in Utah. We'll be at Thanksgiving Point on May 5th. The show begins at 7 p.m. Doors open at 6.30. We will all be there, so you can come and say hi to us as well. But you'll be hearing some additional women sharing beautiful stories that will just warm your heart. Now, if you're not from Utah, there are Listen to Your Mother shows all over the United States. So if you just go to listentoyourmothershow.com, you can find details about the show near you. And if you go to listentoyourmothershow.com slash Northern Utah, you will see all the details for the local show. We hope you can come. We'd love to see you. And at this time of year, we hope you'll celebrate your mother in one way or another and join us for the Listen to Your Mother show. Thanks for coming to The Living Room. We hope you've enjoyed listening, laughing, and learning something new. Join us for our next show. And in the meantime, give yourself and those you love some living room.